But such is the life for anybody who lives in the Ohio Valley. But while it's crazy here, it'll seem like child's play. Once we start visiting the worlds in the solar system. Today on Weather Jazz. On Weather Jazz. On Weather Jazz. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, and a whole lot more. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I am the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 296 for Wednesday, February 16, 2022. Well, here we are. We are really seeing those temperatures increase and very rapidly here in the Ohio Valley on this on this Wednesday. In fact, we'll be in the 50s for the first time since January the 1st. So it has been a long time coming that we've seen a pattern shift to the point where we're going to see not only rapidly melting snowpack, and there's still plenty of that, along with temperatures that are being escorted into the 50s. And the only way that really happens with heavy snowpack that we have today is usually with a pretty stiff southwest or south wind. And yes, we do have that today, too. So on January the 1st of 2022, officially Hopkins Airport hit 54 degrees that was the last time that we've seen temperatures in the 50s. And then temperatures slipped below the 32-degree mark and pretty much stayed there for high temperatures beginning on January the 14th. And for a period of about three to three and a half weeks, we saw temperatures stay well below normal, and we had three very intense snowstorms that brought us from the snowfall deficit all the way up into surplus territory. Even today, right now, Hopkins Airport, having reported for the season 43.7 inches of snow normal, 43.4. So we are still running a little bit of a surplus at three-tenths of an inch. Now, we're going to see that edge into very nominal negative territory for a day or two, but we may gain all of that back as it switches back to snow and very quickly on Thursday night and Friday morning. And we're starting to see wind gusts start to go into the 30 and 40 mile per hour range. It's entirely possible that a few of the gusts as we go through this day today are out of the south and southwest, perhaps even approaching 45-plus miles per hour. So if today is trash day for you, it's probably a good idea to make sure your receptacles, especially after the trash has been collected, to pull those back into the garage pretty fast because an empty receptacle will be a lot easier to push around with wind gusts that are between 30 and 45 miles per hour. 
So we do have a flood watch in effect for a lot of the region in the Ohio Valley. And that is going to be the result of some heavy rain that starts to move into the area tonight and also on Thursday. Now you compound that with rapidly melting snowpack. Many areas still having anywhere from 6 to 10 inches of snow and hard packed snow on the ground as a result of a little bit of a mini thawing and freezing cycle here in the past 24 to 36 hours. So we've got an awful lot of stored water that will get released as temperatures today glide into the 50s and tomorrow stay in the 50s with the heavy rain. So it's a good idea to assess your property. Do you have any catch basins around? Perhaps if it are pretty clogged up with snow and ice, you might want to try to chop that away so that the moisture, the water, the melting snow, and the heavy rain will have a place to go. And of course, the ground is going to be somewhat saturated as a result of everything anyway. So do anything and everything that you can to assist the ground in getting rid of that water and allowing it to move either into tributaries and streams or into the ground if and wherever that is possible, where the ground is maybe not quite saturated, but probably will approach that limit pretty quickly, given the conditions that we're watching across the Ohio Valley today. Well, today is Science Wednesday, and yes, we are going to another world. This is the series that I promised I would begin, and I will do that momentarily. The first object in our solar system is the one closest to the sun. Now, again, don't worry, we'll get back to the sun at some point and examine the sun itself. But let's start with the first planet, and that first planet is Mercury. The planet is closest to the sun, and when we come back, we'll take a close look at what is really a very strange planet. Welcome back, and it's time now to head into the solar system and go close, very, very close to the sun, to examine the first planet in our solar system. That planet is Mercury. And as we go into the series, most of the time we're going to do this on Science Wednesday. We'll examine a lot of the bodies in our own solar system and kind of reveal some interesting facets about those objects that perhaps you had no idea existed. And periodically, I may ask a guest to come on to elaborate on some of those objects as well. well let's take a look at the planet Mercury. Obviously, it is extremely close to the sun. But it doesn't really have a, a very robust atmosphere for a lot of reasons. We'll get into the reasons here why in just a second. As you know, Mercury is the smallest planet in the solar system and also closest to the sun. Its orbit around the sun takes about 87 days, Earth days, the shortest of all of the sun's planets. That makes a lot of sense. Now, it is named after the Roman god small g, emphasis mine, Mercury, god of commerce, messenger of the gods, and mediator between gods and mortals, corresponding to the Greek god Hermes. 
again, small g. Like Venus, Mercury orbits the sun within Earth's orbit. It obviously is much closer to the sun. So it is what we call an inferior planet. So all of the planets that are farther away from Earth's orbit are known as superior planets. But this is an inferior planet. So the apparent distance from the sun as viewed from Earth never exceeds 28 degrees up from the horizon as the sun sets or rises. So this proximity to the sun means that the planet really can only be seen near the western horizon after sunset or the eastern horizon before sunrise. Usually it's washed in twilight. Now, personally, I have been able to photograph Mercury once, only because it was near another stellar object, and I knew it would be very, very close. And if I kept the camera lens and exposed it just right, that Mercury would pop out. And indeed, it did. It's the only time that, at least photographically, I've never really been able to see it with the naked eye or at least recognized it as such. But I was able to actually photograph it once, which was several years ago from the rooftop of WJW television we've got a great western clearance and i thought it would be a good time to give it a go and indeed it worked and it's the only time that i have ever captured mercury at least to my knowledge via a camera exposure now mercury rotates in a way that is rather unique in the solar system it is essentially tidally locked with the sun in what is called a three to two spin orbit resonance, meaning that relative to the fixed stars, it rotates on its axis exactly three times for every two revolutions that it makes around the sun. So therefore, if you were to go to Mercury, land on Mercury, an observer on Mercury would therefore only see one day, the sun making a complete orbit around the apparent sky of Mercury every two Mercurian years. So it's rather complex, but it is predictable. And that three to two spin is certainly a very, very odd number. A few other interesting tidbits about Mercury is that its axis has the smallest tilt of any of the solar system planets. In fact, its tilt is almost straight up and down perpendicular to the sun. It's tilted only one-thirtieth of a degree, as opposed to Earth, for instance, whose tilt is 23 and a half degrees. Now, for all intents and purposes, Mercury really does not have an atmosphere per se. However, there are some scientists and astronomers that disagree, but only to the point where they would tell you that it does have an ion tail. And that ion tail is a result of a few, a handful of molecules, charged molecules that emanate from the surface and get pushed out from the solar wind. Obviously, the solar wind is going to be much stronger at Mercury than it would be at planets that are farther away from the sun. So you would uh, certainly see at least some of those molecules in that ion tail if it did exist. And it does, but it is extremely nominal. But by and large, Mercury 
for all intents and purposes, really does not have an atmosphere like we think of here on Earth. So because of that, having no atmosphere to retain heat, it has a surface temperature that will vary diurnally more than any other planet in the solar system, ranging anywhere from about 280 degrees below zero Fahrenheit at night to, get this, 800 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. Obviously, you have to make that measurement with a thermometer that is actually touching the surface of Mercury. You really can't do that in the atmosphere because, well, there is no atmosphere. And because of the tilt, remember, the tilt is very little to none, essentially. The polar regions are constantly below 136 degrees below zero. Okay, does Mercury have any moons? And as far as we know, the answer to that question is no. The planet has no known natural satellites. Now, over the course of time, two spacecraft have visited Mercury. In 1974-1975, Mariner 10 flew by Mercury. And then Messenger, which was launched in 2004, certainly much more recently, orbited Mercury over 4,000 times in four years before exhausting its fuel, and they essentially crashed it into the planet's surface which NASA likes to do periodically with the satellites that are done with its missions. And they do that with purpose, actually, as uh, they try to collect data as the satellites are heading closer and closer to the surface. And that actually occurred on April the 30th of 2015, again, a relatively recent date. Are there any other satellites or probes planned to go to Mercury? And the answer is yes. There's something called the BepiColombo spacecraft that is planned to arrive in Mercury in 2025. Obviously, with every mission that goes there, the instrumentation gets a little bit better. So some of the information we get back tells us a lot more about these planets. Now, Mercury is a pretty tough planet to get to. NASA scientists have to use other planets to actually match the speed of Mercury, which is a lot tougher to do for inferior planets than it is to do to superior planets or planets that are farther away from Earth. It's a lot easier to go to Saturn, for instance, or Jupiter, or even Pluto, for that matter, compared to planning a mission that goes to Mercury in such a way that it will essentially go into an orbit around Mercury. Tough, tough to do, according to NASA scientists and mathematicians, all of those folks that do the computations needed in order to match the speed of an inferior planet. Just a couple more things to wrap up about the planet Mercury. It is only one of four terrestrial planets in the solar system. It is essentially a rocky body, a lot like Earth. It is obviously the smallest, as we mentioned. And as best as we can tell, Mercury consists of about 70% metallic elements and 30% silicate. And that gives Mercury's core a higher iron content than any of the other major planets in the solar system, and that includes Earth. 
And despite its small size and slow 59-day-long rotation, Mercury has a significant and apparently a global magnetic field, which was a bit of a surprise the first time that they were sending probes to go check out Mercury. But remember, it's small. So it has about 1.1% the strength of Earth's magnetic field. And here's a little trivia about Mercury that you may or may not know. Chances are you don't. I didn't until recently. Like several other planets and also some of the brightest stars, Mercury can be seen during a total solar eclipse. And just in case you are wondering, the earliest known recorded observations were most likely made by an Assyrian astronomer around the 14th century B.C., And at that time, it was called the jumping planet because of the unexplained, strange positions as it related to the sun. You could only see it at certain times, either pre-sunrise or post-sunset. Of course, now we know exactly why that is. And the first telescopic observation of Mercury was made by, you probably guessed it, Galileo in the early 17th century. One more bit of interesting trivia as we wrap things up on this very strange terrestrial world. A rare event in astronomy is the passage of one planet in front of the other. That's better known as an occultation, as seen from Earth. Now, Mercury and Venus do occult each other every few centuries. And the event of May 28, 1737 is the only one historically observed having been seen by somebody by the name of John Bevis at the Royal Greenwich Observatory. When is the next one? Well, it can be predicted pretty easily. And I'll be watching this one from a completely different perspective. And you'll get why in just a moment. Because the next occultation of Mercury by Venus will be on December 3rd, 33. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is the first in a series on visiting some of our solar system's interesting objects. The next one up will be Venus. We'll talk more about that next Wednesday. And please tell your friends, if you're into astronomy... You might want to include weather jazz in your listening. I typically will produce every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I did take Monday off. Boy, my schedule just got uh, really beefy. And, of course, it was St. Valentine's Day anyway. So uh, we did want to pick up with today's episode and make sure that got released because we did promote it as the day that we would begin our tour of the solar system. So next Wednesday, it'll be Venus And we'll look at other objects as we head into other Wednesdays as we head deeper and deeper into springtime. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. You can reach me. WeatherJazz at Yahoo.com is the email address. And now also via the WeatherJazz podcast audience connect line. That's 234-525-5888. Well, coming up in just a couple of days for Open Line Friday right here on Weather Jazz, I'm going to have a guest that I've never had on Weather Jazz before. But the country is a place that I visit somewhat 
often, and that is the country of Iceland. I will keep you in suspense, but I will tell you this much. This young lady has a lot of great talent, which is certainly very visible through her camera lens. And she does have a connection to Lofstofen Baptista Kirka, which is the church that I produce their weekly podcast for, Sermons from Iceland. She is a congregation member there. So mark your calendar or simply subscribe if you use a podcast app. That way, that new episode will just get downloaded into your smart device automatically. We'll see you on Friday. Catch you then. Weather and science across the globe.